Education systems are not immune to climate change. Flooding and rising sea levels affect where people can live, and extreme temperatures cause droughts and famines. All of this impacts how and if schools stay open, how students and teachers get to school, and how education systems continue to function. This is Plan Ed, a podcast from UNESCO's International Institute for Educational Planning, where we take you inside education systems to learn about the policies and strategies helping to create a more equitable and sustainable future in and through education. I'm Alexandra Waldhorn. IIP's mission is to strengthen the capacities of ministries of education to plan and manage their education systems. And climate change is increasingly becoming a main focus. Countries are depending on where they are in terms of policies for climate change. Some of the countries uh, have already uh, started developing policies. Maybe they are struggling with implementing them. But many other countries have, let's say, uh, no uh, policy in place to support mainstreaming climate change and education. Really, IAP approach is uh, one that is a global approach supporting ministries of education, but also sometimes we also work with ministries of finance because they are the ones who are expected to provide funding and uh, support the, the implementation of these policies. So our ultimate goal is to mainstream climate change, adaptation and mitigation into policies and plans. Claude Ndabanine is an IIP expert working on climate change. I spoke to him and his colleague, Mathilde Trillier, about why climate change must be addressed in educational planning. The effects of climate change can be organized into major groups. There are the effects we like to call direct effects, and there are others that are referred to as indirect effects. These are also um, called rapid and slow onset uh, events. Uh, for instance, what we mean by direct effects on education and learning, th these are the climate change effects that directly threaten the lives of learners, uh, teachers, education staff, and communities. And these can damage or destroy school facilities and disrupt uh, school attendance. The indirect effects are those that go through other transmission mechanisms, for instance, uh, through climate displacement, land degradation, uh, sea level rise, conflicts and insecurity. What kind of adaptation and mitigation measures are appearing today through your work? Sure. Um, so examples of climate change adaptation for education systems include, for instance, the construction of green and um, climate-resilient school infrastructures, or um, the relocation of schools, the development and the implementation of contingency plans at school level, the intensification of temporary learning spaces, and, for instance, the use of alternate modes of instruction to ensure learning continuity. When it comes to mitigation measures now, for education planners, it means, for instance, the integration of climate change in school curricula. Um, it means also their effective implementation in the classroom and ensuring the provision of continued support and training on climate change to teachers and school staff. Now, what's important to understand is that climate change is an integral part of disaster risk reduction and vice versa. So as the effects 
of climate change have become increasingly perceptible on education systems around the world, we've worked at IAP to support ministries of education in planning for relevant disaster risk reduction measures for their education system that include climate-related um, measures. And um, it's key to note, however, that if education systems should indeed be recognized as a victim of climate change, education itself can also play an active and a key role in both climate change adaptation and mitigation. And education is therefore also part of the solution. Can you tell us a little bit how this is manifesting in some of the countries you've been working in? For instance, uh, the forthcoming Liberian education sector plan, uh, um, which IP has been supporting for the last two years, has really a strong uh, focus on climate change. This entails really uh, implementing uh, a structured uh, number of activities at different levels from central to local up to school level. For instance, the new education sector plan in Liberia intends to set up a conducive policy framework including the development of uh, a national climate disaster management strategy, uh, putting in place advocacy and resource mobilization mechanisms, etc. At middle-tier and school level, the plan has uh, a number of activities that includes the development and deployment of school-level contingency plans, including their financing, with really a, a strong focus on um, putting in place localized climate change threats. Because actually, as we know, even if we're talking about a, a, a national sector plan, but the different um, uh, the regions of Liberia are not faced with the same challenges. Take, for example, Morovia. A lot of the population live along the coast. And these populations live in ghettos, in mischief areas, in sink shacks. That's Dominique Kweme, Liberia's Assistant Minister for Planning, Research and Development. He and the Deputy Minister Alton Kessley spoke with former IIP program specialist Anna Seeger about the new education policy framework that takes into account climate change. When there are huge sea level rise in, uh, in the absence of defense system to prevent sea coming to the um, ghetto, it affects the population along that uh, beach area. And it means that there will be displacement of a lot of family members, including school-going kids. So if their schools are around that area, they will be able to miss class for days. And a lot of, of Morovia has swamp areas. So the lack of, um, not lack, but limited enforcement of the, the rules or laws to prevent the construction in waterways and in the swamps, to prevent construction in a in, in, in mangrove area, which serve as um, the, the 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 drainages, the natural drainages for the waterway to get into the ocean or the sea. So every time it rains in Morovia, there is a huge flood. So it displaces a lot of students, a lot of family members, and it denies the kids from going to school. In the rural area, as the storm comes because of the makeshift construction of schools, it blow away the um, roof of the school. So the government sometimes is not in a position to be able to intervene immediately, so it delays the kids 
um, from accessing school during that period. In the rural, rural part of Liberia, where you have the rainforest, it rains continuously, and, and the, um, the roads are not paved. So it affects the issue of trade between Morovia and that part of the country. So it increases the prices of goods and services that adversely affect students, adversely affect parents from sending their kids to school. So now, you, for the first time, you've integrated um, provisions or programs and strategies to address climate change through climate change adaptation and, and mitigation measures in the new ESP. What do you think within that, what, what are the key elements where you have most hope that it will increase the resilience of your education system? What, what is like the most important? In our plan, we say let's make education emergency or permanent structure of our education system, which have not been. So, and that education emergency include climate change. If there is a situation that lead to flooding, lead to storm, quickly we can respond quickly to make sure that those students have some form of education until we can maybe reconstruct the school, but they should not be sitting home for long. That's the first one. Second, as we embark on all of the new intervention, we do consider that maybe storm, there may be flood. So, if you're constructing a school now, you say, make sure that the school can withstand floor as best as possible. Try not to pay school in swamps. Tear, let's make climate change, let's conscientize our people in that we human are the cause of climate change being accelerated at the rate that we can play our role to reduce it. And that can start with the school, which means let's have climate change a part of our curriculum. What are the main challenges that you think you are going to face, or the Ministry of Education is going to face to address climate change effects? Yes, for me, I think um, the major challenge is the high level of illiteracy and the, the issue of working on behaviors. Many Liberians believe that uh, what, for example, the government advice um, is, is not normally taken seriously. So the enforcement of our regulations and laws it's one of the major challenges. As long as we can try as much as we can to ensure the enforcement of some of these rules and regulations, it will help us to address the issue of climate change gradually. But um, until we begin to change our mindset in the country and change our behavior, we will continue to receive the kinds of impact that is happening in the country. I think if the education sector plan and with the different um, approach or intervention to begin the issue of uh, teaching climate change from the elementary up to the college level will help to be able to shift that mindset of many people. And as long as many people are talking about the impact of climate change, it helps to be able to address the situation. Another interesting example is, for instance, Madagascar. Madagascar is among the countries that is most affected by natural hazards. And these natural hazards are aggravated by the effects of climate change, in particular intensifying tropical cyclones, sea level rise, and so on and so forth. And the education sector is not spared 
For instance, you can see prolonged school closures, destruction of classrooms um, or destruction of school equipment. Um, you can also see forced displacement of students and teachers. Disaster risk reduction clubs at school level now include a focus on climate change adaptation and mitigation to ensure that they involve students themselves in thinking about how they can live with climate change and how they can address the effects of climate change at school level. Mathilde spoke with the head of risk management and catastrophes for the National Ministry of Education, Lila Rendrian Andresana, who says that climate change is exasperating existing phenomena in Madagascar, especially drought in the south of the country, which causes students to drop out of school. For her, it is key to have students involved in imagining a future in which climate change and its effects are a constant part of life. I've always thought that students should be informed how to protect themselves from cyclones, how to protect themselves from flooding, how to live with drought. As part of this perspective, there was a time when at the level of the Minister of National Education, we organized a competition where the students had to create and therefore think about how to live with climate change, how to adapt to climate change, and the theme was how to recycle waste. And during this contest, there were students from the college who made solar panels. From the organization of the contest, I became aware that the students really had creativity, that they had means to really create new things to adapt to climate change. It is with this perspective that we thought of setting up disaster risk reduction clubs to really give the opportunities to students to create, to adapt, to imagine their own activity, to mitigate the effects of climate change, to propose solutions, and so on. It is really that when these clubs are set up in the schools of Madagascar, finally the students will have the means and opportunity to act, to react, to face, not only as a target, but really as actors, who can launch actions against climate change, against drought, against all of the hazards they have, so they will have the means to live with, or to protect themselves from, or to make opportunities out of it. Le moyen de vivre avec ou bien de se protéger ou bien d'en faire des opportunités. What are some of the most pressing challenges you're encountering in this work? At IP, uh, we are educational specialists mostly, uh, so it was not obvious to work with uh, these um, uh, long term climate change. Um, simulation models because they came with uh, a different uh, and new types of data we were not familiar with so we had to learn how to play with these uh, climate change projections and this has been uh, we say uh, and it remains a challenge but a challenge we acknowledge and we are trying to to work with experts in these domains to better understand how to use these uh, climate uh, projections. Another challenge that we've encountered is really getting the buy-in from policymakers at country level and from donors to ensure that they put climate action in and through education on the top of the national and the international agenda um, and that sufficient financial resources can be secured. Another challenge is that climate change is quite a complex uh, um, uh, topic. 
which goes beyond the 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 mandate of the Ministry of Education only. So we're talking about uh, um, uh, the Ministry of Agriculture and uh, Land Management, for instance, Water Management, uh, um, uh, Food Security. So it's it's uh, working. Uh, uh, around climate change in education requires to have this uh, cross-sectoral approach and really a, a, a strong coordination mechanism. And this is some th something that we, 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 we support, but which is in practice is not an easy one to, 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 to work at a country level. And climate change is affecting people globally. However, it's often the most vulnerable and fragile populations in our world that are going to be carrying um, the burden of climate change. How are you applying an equity lens to this work? We know that, of course, climate change is uh, a worldwide uh, um, phenomenon, but we know also that countries that are poor and fragile are, are going to be disproportionately affected, meaning that they have really weak capacities to cope with the, the effects of climate change. And as part of our support to countries, it's really also about making sure that you have uh, policies and plans from really central level up to school level that are going to be uh, targeting the most vulnerable, making sure that um, as part, for instance, as part of the, the uh, risk assessment and all the uh, situation analysis you conduct, you make sure that you identify the, the populations or subpopulations in some cases that are more um, uh, exposed to the um, to the climate hazard and then so that you can really design policies that are going to be targeting those most in needs and then put in place the right accompanying measures. That was Claude Ndabaniniye, an IIP expert working on climate change. I was speaking to him and his colleague Mathilde Trigier. This is Plan Ed, a podcast from IIEP UNESCO. You can find more information about climate change and education crisis planning on our website, www.iiep.unesco.org. Join us next time for more insight into the policies and strategies helping to create a more equitable and sustainable future in and through education. Education.